to the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations podcast, Thrive in the Face of Change and Uncertainty with Emotional Intelligence. I'm Veronica Hill, a current doctoral student at North Central University, and today we're joined by Sylvia Baffour. Sylvia is an international keynote speaker and author of the book, I Dare You to Care, Using Emotional Intelligence to Inspire, Influence, and Achieve Remarkable Growth. Today, our discussion focuses on emotional intelligence and thriving in the face of change and uncertainty. Welcome, Sylvia, and thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with us. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. This is really an honor. We're so glad to have you. And first, I want to preface this conversation by saying I have had uh, the honor and privilege of uh, getting to know you just a few times in, in a few conversations. But more importantly, you have gifted me your book. And so today I really want to focus on the details um, and the minutia of what emotional intelligence is and how we can use it uh, in a practical way, applying it to virtual places and spaces. And so as I have mentioned to you already. Um, it was such a gift. And I work in the emotional intelligence space um, and uh, am such a champion for holistic wellness and how to integrate emotional intelligence. Um, but you have captured a way to do it um, and explain it in such a practical way. So if we can just get started there, if you would just start by kind of just uh, walking us through, you know, describing emotional intelligence and its role in our professional lives. Yeah, well, thank you for those kind words, uh, Veronica. I'm grateful to know that um, that my approach to it has been uh, enlightening and helpful to you as well. Uh, and, and for the rest of the listeners, I, you know, I would say this. You know, when I think about emotional intelligence, I try to think of the the simplest way that I can explain it because I know everyone defines and describes it a little differently. But I would say this, Veronica, you know, we, we're all human beings filled with emotions, right? And, and emotions drive our behavior. And so with that being said, I see emotional intelligence as the skill set of the 21st century that, that essentially allows us, one, to understand our own emotions and use them wisely. But it's also a skill set that I believe that helps us to, to have those meaningful and productive relationships with people around us. And I say this because if you think about this, when it comes to the role that EI, and you'll hear me use the word EI, I know some people reference EQ, but um, I like to use the word EI, I mean, the acronym EI. So when it comes to our professional lives, I like to think about the simple reality that none of us makes it on our own, right? We don't exist in a world by ourselves. And, and so we need to be supported by others. We need to collaborate with others as well. And and so, you know, we, we get a chance to to use emotional intelligence to become more aware of the needs of others and how others experience us. And that is so vital. And it's what emotional intelligence can do for us. You know, and I never imagined, uh, Veronica, that I would be quoting uh, the comedian Jim Carrey. But I think he said it best when he said that, that the effect that you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. And, and I truly do believe that to be the case, that the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. And emotional intelligence is what makes us enjoyable to be around and I think that's an asset to all of us to answer your question. 
That's so powerful and it's so eloquently stated. And I think one of the things too that I find fascinating is um, that we as a society are constantly trying to um, separate personal from professional. And I found that uh, especially in, you know, with EI and emotional intelligence is you simply cannot do that. And so um, just kind of going in that direction, you know, can you speak to especially, obviously, as you mentioned, 21st century uh you know, uh, in business and virtual and, and, you know, the, the state in which we operate and, you know, the global market and all of that, you know, can you speak to the ways in which it, how emotional intelligence um, actually helps us to thrive in those places and spaces of change and uncertainty, especially in virtual workplaces, because it's such an added challenge? Yeah, no, I, I think you bring up an important point, Veronica. And I would say that uh, for starters, I think it's important for all of us to remember that that the human brain isn't wired for uncertainty, right? I mean, we're talking about uncertainty and change today and, and our brains are designed to protect us. So the flight and fight, right? And, and so because of that, it doesn't like uncertainty. And the irony yet is that we're, we're living in an increasingly uncertain and ever-changing time. Uh, where where we still have to find ways to navigate through through our spaces, as you mentioned, and I think that oftentimes in the virtual spaces in particular, one thing that I think that gets most impacted is our relationships with others, right? And if you think about it, if you're operating in a virtual space, you no longer have the opportunity for those sort of having lunch with other people and those water cooler conversations where you get a chance to catch up and traditionally bond with others and get to know new people better. And so I do think that we can use emotional intelligence to raise our awareness of the needs of others by listening more deliberately, right? Without distraction. You know, most of us have gadgets going on in the background and you know, if we can, we, we can use EI to have deeper conversations over the phone and an email, you know, always kind of in the background asking ourselves the question, is there more room for empathy? You know, when we're reading an email, because we all know how in the virtual world, everything can be misconstrued. And so I think it is vital that we use, um, you know, empathic, and I'll talk a bit more about that towards the end, empathic communication, just checking with our language, the words we're using as we communicate with people in virtual spaces so nothing gets misconstrued. And those are really important things to think about. Such such great points. And and to uh, just to kind of piggyback on what you said, I think uh, it just jogs for me uh, the power of pause. And so as you're saying that, you know, just being able to, um, you know, to 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 be an opportunist and seize every moment for the power of pause. As you said, there's always something going on. And so, um, you know, deep diving, becoming more curious. And so in that way, that kind of, I want to go in that direction if we can for just a moment, you know, um, obviously we're going to, we're going to make the assumption that, you know, we know that, uh, you know, leadership is kind of what sets the tone for the organization. So can you just kind of talk to us about, you know, ways that leaders and managers, um, how they can develop emotional intelligence um, and what that, you know, how that's going to help the organizations overcome um, the challenges that virtual workplaces present, you know, having where people feel maybe distant and disconnected. Yeah, you know, Veronica, I'm glad that you you use the word develop, you know, because 
emotional intelligence is is certainly a skill set that most of us can develop. And by the way, the reason I say most of us is because I think the jury is still out on on sociopaths. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think I think so. But but, you know, I believe for instance, Simon Sinek, right, the author of Start With Why, who um, I think he kind of succinctly said it, that leadership isn't about being in charge. It's rather about taking care of the people in your charge, right? And so I think as a leader or a manager, you can't do that effectively without emotional intelligence. It can be a learned skill, whether you're reading books or taking on some sort of training officially. I think that one of the biggest things that are that, that is affecting organizations that are working remotely and in remote environments has to do with the fact that leadership doesn't know how to trust people, right? In terms of how they're spending their time, right? Because people aren't working directly under your noses. And and I think that you and I can agree that that nothing derails morale in an organization with employees faster than that feeling of lack of psychological safety and trust um, with those that are leading them. Really, when I think about it, ultimately, Leaders and managers need to do this more. They need to care about what I call the emotional aftertaste. And now you may be thinking, well, well, what is that? This is the way I would put it. You know, if you think about it, every single person that we interact with on a daily basis, whether you're aware of it or not, every single person you interact with, you leave behind an emotional aftertaste because people people feel a certain way for having been in your presence, right? And I think that... Um, leaders and managers especially can can influence what I call positively influence the emotional aftertaste they leave behind in the hearts and minds of those they lead by focusing on their communication, for instance, right? Especially in this virtual space, nothing matters more than, than being clear and with your intention of what you want to say. You know, and I think that one of the most effective and most positive ways you can influence the emotional aftertaste is to think in advance. So if you're a leader or manager, being able to think in advance of, of your interactions with others. Now, we aren't always privileged to think in advance, right, when we interact. But when possible, if you think in advance of your interaction with someone, for instance, let's say that you have to have a difficult conversation about a performance review with somebody on your team that you value, but but they need some improvement, right? If you just pause for a moment and think, what do you want this person to feel after you are done interacting with them? It can be so powerful in influencing the way you approach your communication. So Veronica, if I was leading you as an example, and I, I think to myself, after this difficult conversation about your evaluation, I still want you to feel encouraged and inspired to, to get up and show up and give your very best. I guarantee it's going to influence my choice of words. You know, because in reality, we all speak English. I'm assuming if you're listening to this in English that, that you speak English and we all have access to every word in the English language free of charge. But if we don't use our words mindfully, they can cost us a lot. And I think that really applies to leaders and managers in, in the virtual space, the things you can do to create that culture of safety and trust and communicate that through your language and thinking about how you can choose your words in advance to influence the emotional aftertaste you leave behind with those that you're leading. Really, really important. Gosh, you make such an amazing point there. And I just kind of want to reiterate that for our listeners is that, um, you know, you mentioned the intentionality behind it. But, you know, especially in the work that we do, we understand that the catalyst there really is the self-awareness component 
of emotional intelligence. And so I love that you mentioned that, you know, of being mindful and, and that is the intentional part. Um, but unless and until we develop that part of understanding ourselves and the impact, as you said, the impact, the influence and effect, you know, we won't be able to leverage or build that relational capital that we need. And so thank you for that. That was so insightful um, and, and just really powerful and, and something for leaders and managers to, um, to uh, as you said, you know, really be mindful about even in virtual spaces is, you know, how are we showing up in the world? How, you know, what is our tone? What is our nonverbal communication? You know, when that screen pops up or that phone rings or, you know, we are connected in some way, you know, uh, as you mentioned, you know, how are we showing up and what words are we using and are we being intentional about those things? And so uh, thank you for that. And um, kind of just in, in the same direction, can you, uh, you know, improving one's ability to uh, embrace change and, you know, build our inner resilience and using emotions to work for us and not against us. You know, we would we would define those, uh, those components as success in the workplace. And so can you share some strategies uh, about how we can do this more effectively? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I do think that um, those are indeed the keys to success in the workplace, right? Your ability to how you're embracing change and building your own inner resilience and using those emotions to work for you. And I think, you know, Veronica, I think that uh, far too often what what gets overlooked, right? And and what doesn't get enough value, I think, is 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 this. Think about this. What do you say to yourself? in uncomfortable moments that you experience as you're riding through those challenging, unpredictable, uncertain moments of your life, right? Like, what what are you saying to yourself? And I think one of the most overlooked strategies, which is, is so simple and yet hard to practice, is what I call minding the monologue. You know, how, are, how, how aware are you of the conversations you're having with yourself when you're in those challenging and uncomfortable moments, you know? Um, and, and I think it's important for us to think about that. We need to find inner resilience and manage emotions productively. But the first thing that escapes us in those difficult times is our self-talk. You know, we, we, we stop being aware of the conversation we're having with ourselves. And that's what actually influences the, the thing we do in the very next moment. So I think it's so important for us to not lose control of our ability to have productive conversations with ourselves while we're, we're riding the waves of discomfort. You know, I'll give an example of how important this strategy is of self-talk. It sounds so simple, but it's so powerful. So recently, actually, it was more like two years ago, right before the pandemic, I was doing a, a keynote presentation. It was a 90-minute emotional intelligence talk for some folks who had convened from around the world, um, 500 IT professionals in the tech space. And I remember... I deliberately waited until 75 minutes into my presentation, right? So it's a 90-minute talk. I waited until 75 minutes into my presentation to call on two women who were sitting at the very back of the room who looked the most comfortable. And and I there were two chairs in actually there were three, but two that were deliberately left empty in the front row. And at the 75-minute mark, I stopped what I was saying, and I asked these two women to transplant themselves all the way from the back of the room to the front. And, and you can imagine the unmentionables going on in their heads as they were dragging themselves, you know. And, and, and it's interesting because one of the ladies turned around and went to sit back down. So the lady who made it all the way to the front and sat in the front row you know, I said to her, I said, ma'am, would you mind giving us an idea of what was going through your mind as you were walking from the back to the front of the room? 
And she said, you know, I, I don't know if you want to know, know what I was thinking. And well, of course, we all want to know. And she said, I was thinking, why is Sylvia moving us? We've gotten so comfortable where we are. I, I know my neighbor's uh, happy hour is in 30 minutes. And it was <laughs> right after my presentation. Now, unbeknownst to this lady, both of them, I had left, I had taped two $100 gift cards underneath their seats just to give it to them as being good sports, right? And so the lady who came and sat down got the reward. But but the point of, of this story, Veronica, that I tell you is not to say that at the end of everything uncomfortable and uncertain that we're asked to, to transplant ourselves through, right? I'm not saying that at the end of everything uncomfortable, there's some financial reward waiting for us. But what I am saying is we ought to pay attention to sometimes the catastrophic conversations we're having with ourselves about what lies ahead that in the end may not even have been as bad for us as we imagined. And so if we can mind the monologue, and literally as I go through my days, I sometimes stop and say, Sylvia, are you minding your monologue? Because I'm human, right? And, and we all get taken over by unproductive thoughts. And it's really a critical strategy when it comes to in building inner resilience. If you're speaking badly to yourself, you're not going to be resilient. You're not embracing change well, right? Because your human brain doesn't like uncertainty and change. And you're certainly not using your emotions to work for you if you're not controlling the conversations that you have with yourself because you hear your voice more than anyone else's in the world for your entire life. So I think that's a really important strategy that often gets overlooked. And it really can ground us in helping us be more effective in those areas. What a beautiful example of of the point you just made. And this is exactly why I was enthralled uh, with your book, because these are the types of examples that you give that are so easy to understand and grasp, and they're so palatable, and they make so much sense. And so if you can, if it's okay, um, chapter 10 of your book, uh, you outline um, 10 emotionally intelligent habits. I will let you kind of share what you titled them, but especially uh, for, can you kind of highlight uh, which ones would be the most effective in the virtual environment? Although uh, as someone who is absolutely uh, uh a, a practitioner of all of them. Um, if you would just kind of explain the dare to care part uh, of, of, of these habits that you share. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, when I wrote the book, I wanted people to walk away with something tangible, right? That they can continue to use in their lives because Veronica, I, I, I will say to anyone who, for instance, wanted to, to, to look at the book, that if you are looking for a book that's going to make you feel like you have a PhD in emotional intelligence, then my book isn't it because I don't inundate you with the science behind the amygdala and the hippocampus and the cerebral cortex, <laughs> right? Um, I, I like to practice what I call street emotional intelligence. It's, it's the tangible everyday emotional intelligence that we need to help us in, in those moments that we need EI most. And so I came up with a, what I call 10 habits, 10 habits that are framed around the dare to care model. And just real quick, I'll go into the, the 10 of them just to state them. Developing a practice of self-reflection, you know, adjusting your monologue, recognizing your emotional triggers, embracing empath empathic communication, taking a walk in someone else's shoes, observing how you feel often, uh, cultivating a curiosity about others, assessing your own assumptions, risking vulnerability, and ultimately eliminating your, what I call ego speak. But, but to answer your question more specifically, I would highlight three in particular that I think are most valuable in the virtual environment. And that has to do with how you embrace empathic communication, 
developing the habit of cultivating a curiosity about others and assessing your assumptions often. And, and the reason I say this, Veronica, is because if you think about it, so often in the virtual environment, the way we communicate doesn't take advantage of us seeing people's body language and reactions and emotions, right? So that makes it all the more important for us to 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 um to think about how we're communicating in ways that avoid unnecessary conflict, for instance, right? So if you're embracing empathic communication, you're thinking, how can I use language that allows people to feel seen, heard, and understood, even if I disagree with them, right? Because we all have a fundamental human desire to feel seen and heard. And, and we're living in a very polarized world where, where we don't make time to, you know, the thing is, emotional intelligence is not about agreeing with people or being nice, right? It's about allowing human beings around you to feel seen and heard. Because guess what? If if I allow you to feel seen and heard as I communicate with you, chances are you're going to hear me a lot better than if I'm careless with my language and putting you on the defensive, because then all you're doing is spending your energy defending your turf. So I think it's also critical for us to think about um, whenever you have a gap in understanding or knowledge, right, as we all do, we tend to fill that with assumptions. So can you, um, and it's human nature to do that, right? We have to make assumptions and judgments because we've got to make decisions in life. But I want to challenge your listeners to think about this. When you, when I say get curious about others, when you make judgments about other people, can you get a bit more curious about your judgments instead of simply being attached to them? So, so when a judgment surfaces in your head, you say, hmm, I wonder why I'm thinking this about Veronica or this situation, because I guarantee just interrogating the judgment in your head will open your mind to, to ways of thinking that perhaps you hadn't thought about because you were so previously attached to how you were judging a situation or someone else. So these are really important skills we can use in the virtual environment, communicating with empathy, assessing the assumptions we're making. Can you assume positive intent? Can you get more curious than attached to your judgments? Sylvia, this has been completely enlightening and insightful. And I know for me, uh, you know, even someone who studies and practices, you know, emotional intelligence, or as you, uh, as you just uh, labeled it, street EI, amazing. There it is. That's, uh, I've not heard that before, but that is exactly what I do as well. But even still, um, your perspective is so expansive. And I know that the listeners are definitely going to uh, eat all of this up. And so um, you've shared so much. And so kind of as we wrap this up, a two part question is where can our listeners find you and connect with you? And more importantly, where can they find the book? And then kind of the second part of that is please, if you have any last imparting wisdom for us, please feel free to do that. Um, you've been such a gem and, and a Pandora's box of information um, and enlightenment. So if you can just leave us with something, please do. Well, thank you for, you know, you're, you're very kind. You're living and breathing emotional intelligence, Veronica, if I might say so. I'm sure the listeners would agree. Um, I, I would say you, you can find me. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So if, if they just, if you just type in Sylvia Baffour in LinkedIn, you should find me and, and I'd love to connect. So please reach out. Don't be shy. I'm also, um, discoverable on, on Instagram as well. Again, either Sylvia Speaks or Sylvia Baffour, both will, will take you there. And my website is sylviaspeaks.com. And if, you, if you're if you interested in the book in particular, you're welcome to get it on Amazon. Um, but if you would like an autographed, a personally autographed copy, then you can get that via my website directly at sylviaspeaks.com forward slash book. And I'm sure that will be written in the details. And 
at the time that you listen to this, until the uh, 10th of September, I'm going to be offering a 20% discount special to go along with your autograph copy if it's if it's ordered through the site directly, because I have no no control over what Amazon does on their end. But then sort of jumping into the second part of, of your question, Veronica, I would love to leave the listeners with so much, right? But in the interest of time, um, I would say this, guys, remember always that emotional intelligence is not a destination we arrive at, right? It is, it is a constant journey for the rest of our lives. We, we can grow that emotional intelligence muscle. Like any other muscle, it requires deliberate practice, right? And so I like to say that you do not need emotional intelligence in times in your life that are peachy and rosy and everything is firing on all cylinders and your life feels fantastic. You don't need EI then. We all need emotional intelligence in those in, inconvenient and uncomfortable moments of our lives when it is kind of inconvenient to be emotionally intelligent. I mean, think about it. It's not always convenient when you are triggered emotionally to, to, to manage that versus just flying off the handle, right? By default, it's not easy to have a conversation with somebody and show them empathy while you disagree with them. So your EI skills will be most needed and most used in those uncomfortable and inconvenient times of your life when when you must call upon them because our human nature would default to, 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 to not so nice ways of being. Um, so remember that. And finally, I would say, I would encourage you, if you think about negative emotions you feel, quote unquote, negative emotions. Think of them as difficult emotions, not negative. Because Veronica, if you think about it, anything negative we want to escape from. And all the emotions we have within us are meant to be experienced, even the difficult ones, because they're there to teach us something. We rarely ever learn things about ourselves in those moments of positivity. So I would encourage you to not use the word negative, but use the word, I'm experiencing something difficult and sit with it, learn from it, ride the wave because you'll be better on the other side of it. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. This has really been a, a fun conversation. Sylvia, thank you so much for joining us in support of the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations. We truly, truly appreciate your insights, and we know our listeners are going to benefit from this conversation greatly. So thank you. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for the honor and the privilege of your listening ear. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.